Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. Thank you for listening. David, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> A little frightened now. Well, it's, uh, you know, I'm, we're, we're, you know, we're getting into it. I'm, I'm excited. In, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. That's how I am right now. You're uncomfortable. Why are you uncomfortable, David? Because, well, uh, I mean, I don't want to go into everything that I had to do today, but I'm essentially, I'm wearing like the kind of clothes that you would wear if you were going to paint your house or something. Right. Uh, I'm very sort of, I don't know. I, I just don't feel presentable, even though I know we're sitting in your living room. Yeah. Not to mention people, nobody can see you. <laughs> yeah. Except me. But it's part of... My my self confidence is is like always hanging by a very tiny thread. Yeah, and so it very much, I it, it, in the right outfit, I can be very confident in myself. As I spill water, <laughs> it's a good thing I'm wearing these yourself. shitty pants because I. Just, well, <laughs> well, the pants do need a washing, but uh, that that amount of water is not going to do it. Now, um, I'm also upset. Why are you upset, David? Well, uh, the world's a, a a slightly less sexy place right now. Because. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> because Betty Page has died. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't really have. I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about it. But uh, yeah, I know nothing about. Because I don't want to get up on my high horse about uh, sexual freedom. Yes, and let's not do that, <laughs> please. <laughs> Until we can find, maybe we'll talk about a movie. Maybe we'll talk about that in movies someday. And I'll and yeah. I and I will preach into the microphone yeah. about. Uh, that is a good episode. About anyway. all the hangups that are that are keeping us down as a society. I think you may have actually just said it. <laughs> okay, I'll go into it more someday. But uh, okay, um, to, to me, I mean, Betty Page is more than just uh, a cool, an icon of cool, which she yeah. is, you know, because she was, she's the most famous pinup girl. But she also, she was, I think, an important person in a, mm-hmm. uh, in, in American culture. So, just okay. wanted to take a second to say that I mourn her passing. All right, I am something also- else. I'm mourning. Uh, what okay now we're talking what else are you mourning um the <laughs> the the brief era of good oscar hosts yeah it uh are you gonna call me out for checking my text messages during the podcast do you need to take that no it was just a text okay, message i already bo- know exactly are you bored already here's the thing you and i may have already discussed what we're going to talk about but the listener they don't know where we're going all right, so so I understand if you maybe you're a little bored, but you need to realize that not everybody who's listening to this. I'm not uh, bored, knows where but we're a going. text message. It could have been. No, I understand. Here's I, the thing. Okay, and I mean, and I, I'm sure you understand this. Yes. Uh, because if you're, but once you've gotten the 6 a.m. call from your mom saying oh, yeah. that you need to come home because your dad is in the hospital right away. Yeah. Every time for the rest of your life that the phone rings or you get a message or anything, you immediately start panicking that something awful is gone you know so i know that if i if it's if the phone rings i know i'll have to wait till the end of the episode to check the voicemail oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but if it's a text message i know yeah. you know if it says i can look at it real quick and if it says someone's dead then i can do something about it and if it says what are you doing tonight i can put it back in my pocket let me venture this if somebody if you are being told via text message that somebody is dead you probably, you probably don't care about that person. I didn't anyway. need to stop podcasting to address <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. So David mentioned uh, Oscar hosts. A new one has been announced, and uh, I'm not completely against it. I'm 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 in, I'm more intrigued than anything else because uh, the uh, for those that don't know, uh, Hugh Jackman, star of uh, Kate and Leopold, 
Uh, he All is right. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to pick something. Swordfish. Because I, um, I don't hate Hugh Jackman. No, I don't either. I don't either. I think he makes an awesome Wolverine, um, and I liked him in Swordfish and... In the Prestige, he, he was the Prestige. Good. He was really great in the Prestige. He did his best in, uh, you know, Van Helsing, but uh, you know, nobody could have saved that. But um, no, no, it was a ridiculous movie. But uh, and I mean, you know, it was a dis- none of it was a bad. It was a disappointment for me. It was because it was such I, a good concept. Yeah, and I actually like the first two Mummy movie, Mummy movies. Yeah, you know, they are what they are. What they are, but I think they're successful at what they set out to do. Yeah, and so when I heard Stephen Summers, when I heard the plot, I was like. This is going to be f- another fun movie like that. Yeah. And oh my God. Well, it was, this, it was a frustrating one-two punch because you had the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Then you had Van Helsing. And it's just like, wow, Hollywood likes, they like using well-known literary characters to a point. You know, uh-huh. and then, they, then it's like, all right, that's enough literature. We'll take it from here. And then they just destroy uh, these. The Stephen Summers did not make League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No, no, Stephen Norrington the, did, right? Uh, I think. Yes, I think so. Cause, and that's another guy. He made the first Blade movie, which I like. Uh, okay. Again, it's a movie that I like on its own terms. Yeah. But it's like, it's just, the concepts were very similar, using yeah. you know characters that people are familiar with and uh, you know to, to tell a larger story. But, um, but anyway, so Hugh Jackman has been announced as the host of, of the, next, uh, you know, the next Oscars ceremony, which... The 99th annual. The, is... Oh, okay. no, I don't think oh, it right. is at all. I don't think it is. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I think, think it actually is 76 because was it or was last year 76? I think we're. Is it 80 something? I think it, I think we're in the 80s. I have no fucking clue. I don't either. I don't really follow that sort of thing. But uh, <laughs> you know more about <laughs> the Oscars than I, anyone I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, just want to see if I could slide that by you. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. Best actor 1958. Who was it? I don't. <laughs> it was Alec Guinness for <laughs> yeah. Bridge on the River Kwai. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, so yeah, I uh, I'm intrigued because uh, and and I didn't know that uh, Hugh Jackman had hosted the Tonys. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to address that. Yeah, he, um, and from what I've heard, he's do- he does a fine job. Yeah, he won an Emmy for hosting the Tonys. That's great. So, but I mean, and that's very much his his crowd, you yeah. know, in in his milieu. Yeah, I, I I feel like um, Oscar hosting is a different thing. Um, yeah, you need someone. I think we've gotten. I mean, all go going all the way back. You know, uh, as far back as I can remember. Yeah. Uh, uh, the a lot of the responsibility of the Oscar host has been to sort of gently poke fun at the night and the whole Hollywood like. Yeah. thing the whole facade and the glamour you know like johnny carson had that great one you know i see a lot of new faces tonight especially on the old faces yeah that's that's the kind of thing you need and hugh jackman doesn't seem like that kind of figure you know who's gonna make fun yeah because even when you've got someone who's terrible like Whoopi goldberg she still seems you can kind of make that jump in your mind why she they would because because she's a comic for one exactly in theory. because the i think the uh the the better hosts or just hosts you know the you know even the ones that are only so so the reason that they work even on a small level is because they didn't start with Hollywood they started somewhere else they're still kind of outsiders now of course with like you know Billy Crystal and Steve Martin and Whoopi Goldberg 
they started in comedy and now they're definitely in Hollywood. I mean, there's no yeah. question about it. But there's still that kind of that's not where they come from originally. But then the better ones, I think uh, I liked Letterman, but I thought Chris Rock and John Stewart did really good jobs. Ellen DeGeneres, I guess. Uh, I, 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 I thought she was she was all right. Yeah. Um, right. Th- yeah. I mean, she was she was perfectly fine as a host. That's the most I can say. But um, but still, I guess the thing, and a lot of it. I mean, comics are definitely uh, a good person to go to for this. Those people all have a sort of identity that they can impose on the show, right? Whereas now I feel like Hugh Jackman, he's a a born showman, you yeah. know, and he and he'll he he performs well, but he's uh, he's not uh, a dynamic personality on his own. And I feel like we're just going to get like him just doing Bruce Valanche jokes in Bruce Valanche's voice, you know, because he doesn't have his own sensibility to bring to it. Right. I mean, it's just like when, you know, when Steve Martin or Billy Crystal, it's like if they play, you know, if they play a role, like if Steve Martin plays a role that's kind of silly, everybody knows that it's like, well, he's playing this silly role, but he's really an intellectual guy who's very funny in and of it. Like he, as you say, he has a very definite persona, but like, and maybe if, if Hugh Jackman, if he had been in, like, more comedies and stuff, then maybe he might kind of be viewed, might have something of a persona as well. But as of right now, I mean, you know, he plays characters that are very dour and very, <laughs> not very much fun. But I, I think he'll, I, I'm just, I'm I'm not optimistic. I'm not pessimistic. I'm just intrigued because who knows? It could be great. I mean, he hosted the Tonys, but as you say, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. thing. Yeah, and it seems like that's just what they're going to. But, like, but yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, Johnny Carson and Jon Stewart, like, they were, they're, like, they're involved with everybody in the room. Like, they've had all, many of these people as guests on their show. But that's not, that doesn't mean they're a part of it. They're not part of the Hollywood community. So, to me, one of the best jokes ever was at the the ceremony for the uh, 2005 Oscars where, um, you know, th- that year there were a lot of issue films, you know. Um, and uh, and so there were, there were a lot of montages. And one of the montages showed, you know, uh, issues as portrayed in films throughout the ages, you know. And, uh, and it's very, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, they're taking on race and gender and homosexuality, oh, all these hot-button issues. And then, um, and then, so the montage is over, people clap, and then there's John Stewart, and he goes, and none of those issues were ever a problem again, <laughs> because and, and just and he just said it with such a, it's like, yeah, all right, we get what you're doing, but let's not overstate what you're doing, yeah, okay, you're not making a huge difference. At best, you're making people look a little bit inward, you know, and then yeah. maybe they go and do something that makes a difference, but like. Uh, but yeah, and I don't think Hugh Jackman will do that because he's very much. I mean, he may be a part of the theater crowd as well, but he's very much. I mean, he's in. He's freaking Wolverine, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. So uh, you need you someone know. who's funny and who's in movies. Yeah, and I'm. You know, I'm. I can't think of of who would you know. You know, who who I would love be. to see is Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that, I think that would be a fantastic choice. Yeah, because he's kind of, at this point, he's not so much associated with film itself. Yeah. He's on TV now, and he's been established as a very funny, very dry, yeah, comedic presence. That's really good. Yeah. Um, at, excuse me, and this is something that uh, that you and I, you know, uh, back when we 
back when we lived together uh, together in Chicago, um, I remember you and I would go back and forth thinking like who would be like really great hosts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, and so uh, you know, listeners, uh, feel free to discuss this uh, on the forum. Uh, you know, we <laughs> notice that people are slowly but surely, you know, uh, uh, you know, embracing it, and that's fine. We want you guys to uh, discuss things with each other. Uh, as well as with us, so um, so yeah, good good Oscar hosts, you know, or people that you think could be good. Um, trying to think, like, if there's any other like really solid like women that could do it. I mean, you know, well, I mean, you said Alec Baldwin, Tina Fey wouldn't be. I too was bad. thinking Tina Fey too. Yeah, she would be fantastic. You know, um, doesn't <laughs> I, this might be a little? Uh, doesn't Jimmy Kimmel host some award show and has for several years? I don't know. Like the American Music Awards or some award yeah. show that you're like, oh, that I'm sorry, what is that? That's a thing, and it's been going for years. All right, fair enough. I, you know, I, I'm not sure if he'd be right. What about? I mean, it's obvious because he's done the Emmys and stuff. What about like Conan and stuff? <laughs> Conan and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of his variety show, yeah. of course. Uh, that's his one man show. But uh, no, yeah, I think I think he'd be good. I mean, again, again, like we said, Ellen DeGeneres was just all right, and I think yeah. a lot of it's because she's a She's a TV person and kind of always has been, you know. Yeah. I mean, Ed TV and Mr. Wrong, yeah, <laughs> accepted. Was it called Mr. Wrong? Mr. Wrong, that's yeah. right, with Bill Pullman. Um, I actually think she's funny in Ed TV. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple lines, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what is it like uh, at the TV, this TV station when like our budget's so low, we've been using yarmulkes as coffee filters? Yeah, uh, I thought that was funny. It's amusing. <laughs> um, but again, like the reason that was just okay is because it didn't really feel like she was part of the world. And that's why I'm saying Alec Baldwin, even though he's a TV guy now, yeah. he's been a movie star. Like yeah. people think of him as a movie star in a way, you know? Yeah, like he's a movie star who has since become pretty much a character actor. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I you know, I, I think there's probably an entire generation of you know TV fans and movie fans who, when you tell them Ale- when you say the words Alec Baldwin, they think of somebody who's funny. Like they don't think, of, and he's yeah. always been kind of funny. Like I remember, even in a movie like The Shadow, where the character is very serious, he's actually quite glib in it. Uh, he yeah. does what the role requires, but like he's kind of he's always kind of funny and kind of wry in everything he's done. But, but yeah, I mean, I think now he's largely known as a comedic actor. But yeah, that yeah. I can't think of anybody that would be better than that. But then again, I mean, really I good. say the TV thing, but John Stewart definitely worked, and he he was in what The Faculty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and other things I'm sure. Can't but, uh, imagine what. And we haven't mentioned. I, I thought I thought Chris Rock was great. What was that 2005? That 2000, was. Uh, I think I was still was in Chicago. In 2005, so it was 2004. Yeah, yeah, for 2004. But uh, yeah, he was. I I I want to know who this committee is that picks the hosts. You know. Yeah. And like when they saw Chris Rock, like what made them say like, Nah, not doing this again. Like, his name has never really been in the running since. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. And I, you know, I personally thought Steve Martin did a good job as well. But uh, I don't know. They keep, uh, I remember that, you know, Steve Martin hosted. And, and I remember I was like, wow, he did a really good job. And then it's like, next year, oh, let's bring Whoopi back. It's like, <sighs> I don't get it. But uh, anyway, but that's neither here nor there, David. That's well, we something wanna, for people Before to we get to the topic, though. Yes. We want to talk about the uh, our 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 list. Yes, yes. The, good, uh, good for those, I, I imagine people who are listening listened last week. But just in case, uh, Empire Magazine came out with a reader-generated list 
of the 100 greatest characters of all time, and yeah. it's more or less atrocious. Ridiculous. Uh, so we decided, even though we have a, t- a much smaller fan base, yeah. but uh, a much smarter fan base, Damn right. we're going to uh, show them up. I don't know how. I don't know how they're ever going to see it, unless we mail it to them. Uh, <laughs> They'll know. They just know. I mean. <laughs> but uh, So vote. Uh, send us at battleshipretention at hotmail.com. Yeah. Send uh, your 10 favorite movie or 10 movie characters that you think should be included on the list of 100 greatest movie characters of all time yeah you may notice that david uh caught himself there he started to say favorite and then he said you know 10 movies that you uh, 10 characters that you think belong on the list yeah okay because uh favorite i hate to say it doesn't necessarily have to enter into it um but yeah so send 10 in battleship pretension at hotmail.com but there is a cutoff point yeah, and that is um, Thursday, December eighteenth at um, at midnight. I know we have people in all different time yeah. zones, so I mean, I guess midnight wherever you are is fine. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's fine. Um, I'm still probably. In, I mean, I'll, I'll 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 start compiling the list, the final list on on Friday the nineteenth. Right. So and then we will uh, reveal the list uh, both on the website and. Uh, and on the show itself uh, on uh, the 22nd. Sure. Um, that's that Monday, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's very exciting. We're getting a lot of good responses, and uh, and uh, we're getting the responses that we wanted. So, uh, yeah. good job, everybody. There's, there's there's one in my mind that's sticking out that we haven't gotten there's yet. There's three in my mind, uh, but you know what? Uh, that's It's not our place to tell you uh, what you're doing wrong. Like I was saying, there were two that I was, was really hoping for, and one of them made it. Yeah. And it's uh, it's the female one, which is something that we were sort of aiming for because of Empire's paucity of yeah. uh, female representation. Yeah. Uh, so okay, let's get to the topic. Absolutely, yes. Um, well, it actually kind of fits in with the way uh, when I made that distinction between favorite and right. what you think should be on the list. Uh, I guess what you think should be on the list is what's important. Yeah. Uh, important more to the history of film than to you. Yeah. And so that we want to, uh, this is something we don't often talk. We don't often talk about film in this sense because it's yeah. we 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 tend to talk about it in more personal terms. Yeah. Uh, but we want to talk about the sort of importance film history as an actual academic history. Yeah. And what movies? And specifically, we want to talk about movies that we personally don't like. Yeah. But think that people should see. As yeah. I mean, they should see if they want to uh, have a. Uh, a greater per, uh, appreciation of film history, yeah, kind of a well, like a well-rounded uh, film knowledge. I yeah. mean, it's just we don't think for your personal well-being you should see it. We don't think it's going to change your life or anything, right? Um, yeah, there's you know, and and I'll give an example uh, from my own life. Actually, just uh, last week when we discussed uh, Walter Plunkett, um, we uh, I wound up watching Singing in the Rain for the first time. Uh-huh. Now. Nothing about I, I I could appreciate the costumes and certain aspects of the story, but you know it's it's not a it's not a genre that I like, which is the musical where they picked the songs first and it's like all right work those in you uh-huh. know it's not not to crap on it or anything like that. I mean some people absolutely love it. I'm just not one of them. Um, that said, I'm happy I saw it. Yeah, because it is you know it is a movie that everybody says is. Great, and within that genre, it is great. And then, of course, its use of color 
the you know the dancing and of course the costumes are all uh, wonderful. And so I was happy that I saw it, and I think that even if you're not a fan of musicals, you should see it. Yeah, but I'm not. But I don't particularly like it that much. Yeah, and almost because I mean, a lot of the movies we'll talk about today are movies that are sort of influential. Yeah, and I don't know how influential Singing in the Rain was because it it's sort of um, it's sort of a look back at, at the yeah. Hollywood that came before it, and it's it's important in that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a like we talked about with Walter Plunkett. He's sort of doing exaggerated versions of the costumes that that he did. You right. know, thirty years, bef- well, twenty five years before. Right. Uh, and um, I mean, a- another movie that we talked about last week is Gone with the Wind, which yeah. I actually like, but you don't really like Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I mean, much in the se- you know, and it, and it's. I mean, I, I'm probably going to be repeating myself several times during this episode. That usually it's a, it's a function of preference. I mean. When you are, you know, when you're a, a film, a, a student of film, you're probably going to find that you can respect something without necessarily liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a fun, and you know, a matter of preference does. Co- you know, some people are like, well, if it's good, you should like it. It's like, well, if it's good, you should recognize that it's good, but you don't have to like it. There's no rule yeah. that says you have to like it. And well, and I'll much talk- in the same way, Gone with the Wind is not. You know, it's a melodrama. Yeah. And I do not like melodrama. You know, yeah. I mean, occasionally, depending on like the level of commitment, uh, I'll be it, it'll win me over. But that's it's hard to do. You were a Far From Heaven fan, am I right? I was a Far From Heaven fan. Um, I kind of like kind of like the Notebook. Um, oh, no, I haven't of, seen that. Yeah, uh, you because might like it because you're kind of a softie. <laughs> Thanks for going for the the term softie. Instead of calling me a homo or whatever, yeah. you were Quay. probably thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I com- I will admit that I dismissed the Notebook kind of out of hand when it first yeah. came out, and I've heard from so many people that it's worth watching. Yeah, that I really and I, I think it is in my Netflix queue, but everything is in my Netflix right. queue because yeah. I've got three queues and they're all almost full, so I've got like fifteen hundred movies. Netflix is like, here's some recommendations. He's like, yes, <laughs> done. No, I don't take On Netflix with my recommendations. Yeah, I don't trust them. Because here's why I don't. Here's what's, you notice this on Netflix. You use Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, if you type in a movie, like maybe a movie that's obscure and they don't have it, yeah, the first thing that comes up is the uh, the Water Horse, Legend of the Deep, or whatever. I've I haven't used Netflix in a while. It happens every time. Every almost every time I put in a movie that Netflix hasn't heard of, the first option it gives me is how about the Water Horse? <laughs> and it's like, well, first off, I saw that. <laughs> and it was pretty good. It'd be like, who are you in cahoots with? Because it's not like yeah. all things. It's not like a bunch of Walden Media stuff comes up, or a right. bunch of like whatever studio or whatever, like a you know whatever companies put on the DVD. Right. You know, it's not like they're in cahoots with a company. It seems like the people in Netflix really want you to see the Water Horse. Right. It's just it's their way of championing. It's like it's like you know what we don't have chimes at midnight, but I tell you what we do have. We've got this wonderful little film called The Water Horse. But I wonder it'll touch your heart and your soul. I wonder people email me if you've had that same problem because I wonder if it's tailored to me. If they because Netflix because I saw it, I saw The Water Horse like the week it came out in the theater. Yeah, because it's my kind of movie. Yeah, and Netflix probably can tell. I don't know that because yeah. it, it based on stuff I've liked. It's recommended such a movie before. Maybe it Netflix doesn't know that I saw the movie already. Yeah, so maybe it's tailored to me and they just really think I'd like The Water Horse, which is. Good for Netflix, if that's true, because uh, that's the kind of movie that I like. My Netflix ex- experience has been uh, 
different as far as their recommendations because like the like there as far as i can tell like uh the netflix recommendations it's kind of like it's kind of like getting a christmas present but like from an uncle where it's like they know something about you and yeah. based on that something it's like oh he likes movies i think i'll get him hell fighters with john wayne it's like <laughs> um okay why do you think I'll like this? Like, oh, because you like movies, and you mentioned you like that movie, The Searchers. Okay, hang on now. Uh, this this firefighter film with John Wayne that's clearly awful. <laughs> Not, I, I, I get what you're saying. I appreciate it. I'm going to have to ignore this one. Um, that's, do you, uh, maybe I've talked about this on the show before. Do you use Pandora? Do you listen to music with Pandora? Uh, I have recently. My brother told me about it a long time ago, and then I forgot about it, and I recently went back to it and they're they're pretty close well here's the thing it depends on what you put in okay because i've had great experiences you know uh putting in i can't think of an example right. but uh like i think i started in i don't know a shirelle station and i got all sorts of great stuff but that's because okay. there's a lot of groups that sound like the shirelles but uh for people who don't know pandora is a website you put the name of a band or a song or whatever in and then it sort of creates a radio station that sound is supposed to sound like that yeah i started one for the pretenders and apparently pretend listen to the, you like the pretenders just means you like bands that women sing in ah. <laughs> because all, everything i got was just <laughs> it was all over the map but it was like here's here's some uh i can't think of, here's some julie london or whatever just like i uh, doesn't fit i like, I like julie london but, but I, I, when i want to listen to the pretenders i'm not in the mood for julie london right okay I talked way too fast through all of that, that and we're really way off fast. topic. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we veered off topic. But I I'm not even get... going to tell my Pandora story so that uh, we <laughs> can get back on topic. Uh, yeah, let's not open up that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Bastard. Um, I want to yeah. talk about what, what sort of all in- your bullshit <laughs> inspired me. Every episode, the minute I decide, hey, I've got a story, I've got to get back on topic. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Well, my joke was let's not open up that Pandora yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, gotcha. yeah. So I'm not really being dismissive. I was no, just trying I know, to make a joke had, about Pandora. Yeah, it had to be at my expense for you to make the joke. I get it. I all get right, it. All right, all right. Okay. Um, well, okay. Here's what inspired me to come up with this topic. Okay. Actually, was uh, and some people may I don't may have read the blog on the website that I just put up. Yeah, it's up now, right? It is up now. Yes. Thanks, webmaster. Um. <laughs> I saw and hated Synecdoche, New York. I now, listeners, did not you did like not it. see David's eyebrows as he said hated. Yeah. They shot up. I hated it. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I do think it's well made. Yeah. And it's unique. And it's a, it's personal to yeah. to Charlie Kaufman, you know. And because it because it's well made, it didn't speak to me at all. Mm-hmm. Not even a little bit. Yeah. But because it's well made and clearly so idiosyncratic, yeah, uh, I have no way of knowing whether or not someone else might not get a lot out of it. Yeah, you I know, mean, some people like Roger Ebert, for example, absolutely loved it. Yeah, and is just willing to go, you know, go for the ride. And so I would not, I would not tell people don't go see that right. movie. The way I told people, I'm trying to think of other stuff from this year, like The Strangers yeah. or Red Belt. I thought those were both really bad movies, and I would warn people away from them. Yeah. But I would not warn people away from Synecdoche. I would be like, listen, I couldn't stand it. I thought it was just interminable. Uh, But it might speak to you. Yeah, some movies you're just like, I don't like it, but you know what? 
you could possibly change my mind. Like, if you <laughs> see it and explain certain things to me, maybe I'll see like, – just they're very tenuous. A, a movie like that for me, a movie that I think everyone should see and I think is really great, but it just – it hits me very much the wrong way, and it's one that you've given me crap about, is Blue Velvet. Oh, yeah. I uh, I, I can't even put my finger on – what what gets me about it? I mean, just Lynch has always kind of been. It seems that way like you've always me. been weirdly on the fence about about David Lynch. Yeah, but I know <clears throat> I know your opinion is swayable because I saw Mulholland Drive with you, and yeah. you did not care for it at the time. Did not care for it. No. And you have since come to like that movie. Uh, like is like might even be a little a little strong. Like at first, I really thought it was a bad movie. Like, yeah, I thought that it's like, oh, this is the freaking definition of pretentious. Still an argument to be made about that, by the way. But like, but now I realize what he was trying to do. I don't think it is pretentious at all. Uh, okay. Just, let me stop you okay. real quick. Because, um, yes, it's very artsy and mm-hmm. sort of uh, a little esoteric, maybe. But pretentious, if you're pretending, you're mm-hmm. putting up a facade and a facade means there's nothing behind it yeah and to me there's always something emotionally behind every every choice that david lynch makes yeah and it's inter- it's interesting because mulholland drive is the first movie that actually made me look up the word pretentious i'm like this is the word that's in my head but i do not want to use it wrong uh-huh. and so i looked it up and it said you know and it was like kind of like the idea like putting on airs like giving the impression of artistic i think it says like giving the the impression of artistic distinction, but as you said, with nothing behind it. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, Oh, that's Mulholland drive all the way. It's all style. And, but then it's like, but as time has gone on, I'm like, no, there's still a lot of strong character stuff. And even though a lot of these weird images and a lot of the story, you know, uh, developments, even though some of them just kind of end abruptly, which could be attributable to the TV aspect of it. But even that it's like, there's still, like I was able to accept it on the terms, and I no longer call it pretentious. I'm just saying uh-huh. somebody probably could. I imagine people out there, maybe even people listening to this show, uh, say it's like that movie's pretentious. And it's like, well, I can definitely see how you could think that. But, um, but yeah, like Mulholland Drive is, and a lot of David Lynch but films and his stuff. Oh, I want to stay on this tangent just for okay, a second because there's actually there's a David Lynch thread on our on our little forum. There is. Uh, I like that I'm dismissive of our Yeah, I don't form. think you need to uh, take that tone. <laughs> I feel bad about that. Um, forum thing. So let's talk about it for a second because I d- you mentioned character and, and in, in his movies like Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead right. and uh, Lost in, Inland Empire. Inland Empire, yeah. Lost Highway you can make. Lost Highway is not his crowning achievement. But um, even when there's not character and story stuff, it's like, I mean, it's... It's, it's what it's what experimental film should be. Right, it's using essentially sound and images to create emotion. Yeah, and to uh, relate emotion, and that's what I mean. I loved Inland Empire, and that's mm. because that's what it did to me. Even though the story is not really a story, you know, yeah. and the character, I mean, the character herself changes dramatically, kind yeah. of throughout the movie in, in some ways. Um, the e- each section it just struck me so much in the gut that's why yeah. i liked it so that's that's not has nothing to do with the topic today but i just wanted to talk about david lynch oh okay um but let's get should we get back to blue velvet well blue velvet but honestly what i 
what I would have to say about Blue Velvet could be said about a lot of David Lynch films where, you know, I have to just realize that what it's trying to do is something that I am not really, not, not necessarily against, but it, it just, it, it's not going to strike me the right way. Mm-hmm. Experimental film does not strike me the right way. Um, I saw a film in film school called uh, Last Year at Marienbad, which is very much like Mulholland Drive mm-hmm. in, in this weird kind of dreamy, uh, in this dreamy sense where there's not a lot of story, there's not a lot of character. It's all about just this weird it's 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 a movie that merely it's not really watched so much it's experienced. And uh-huh. that's what it's trying to be. Like I it, it required me changing my view of what it was trying to be. I thought it was trying to be a movie like all the other movies, you know. And it's like, "Oh, you are failing, sir." <laughs> um but uh but once I realized, like, okay, no, it's trying to be something different. It's trying to accomplish this or that or whatever. But, like, and so in that way, it's like, yeah, Mulholland Drive is is incredibly well done, incredibly well directed, absolutely deserved the nomination that year. Um, I'm not sure how often I'm going to watch it, you know, and I'm not even sure if I would say that I like it, but... I certainly, I certainly don't dismiss it as fast as as I did when we when we first saw it, and it's because you know to bring this back to the topic, it's because you know the sooner that you, as a film student, or not even just film, art in general, I mean it mm-hmm. can be books, music, whatever, the sooner you realize that that there is something bigger than just your opinion, you know, the the better off you'll be. The more you'll be able to realize that oh. This is trying to do this. I want it to do this, but it's and it's not. And so, in that way, it's never going to hit me as well as something you know, something that I like. But I can respect it for what it's trying to do. And along those, you know, along those terms, like there's a movie that I just I can't watch very often. I don't enjoy it uh, in the traditional sense, but. Everyone needs to see it. Everyone. You need to see it. Uh-huh. You've probably seen it already. And that's 2001 Space Odyssey. That's one that I've watched twice. Uh-huh. M- you know, I don't know how long I'm going to live, so maybe I'll get to it. Maybe I won't. I'll probably watch it once more. You know, but it's, it's funny. I, in this episode, yeah. as of 91 episodes, we're really getting to the fundamental difference between me and you as yeah. film viewers. Because yeah. what I talked about with David Lynch... The way film uses sound and images to create emotion, right. that's the draw for me. Yeah. More so than – and you uh, – well, explain more what you – what's your draw? Uh, the draw for me is um, – and that's the thing. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll preface by saying this. When I explain what the draw is for me, I don't want anybody to think that that is not a, a draw for David. And, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa. Vice versa, I mean, yeah. So, uh, for me, I mean, it's mostly character. Uh, Character and dialogue, not even really story that much. I mean, not a lot has to happen, but, like, a lot, you know, a lot of character stuff I would like to happen, but, you know, um, there is a distinction to be made that it's like, there doesn't have to be a lot of external events, uh, just as long as the characters relating to each other, you know, um, is is interesting and and, uh, dynamic, but... um, but yeah, I mean, my, you know, I, David and I both started, you know, in, I mean, we both loved movies from an early age, but we both started in theater. I was on the acting side and David was on the technical, though I know that you dabbled in acting every once in a while and won some very prestigious awards. <laughs> um, so uh, that's a story for another time, everybody. Um, 
but uh, and I think that's you know I, I tend I, I think I just gravitate more towards the idea of something happening to a character and the impact that that has on them um, and so you know mine you know my stuff is definitely could be, you could say that like my sensibilities are more theater oriented yeah. um, whereas David yours I mean you know the way it's shot, the way uh, the way it's edited, um, th- those are absolutely more uh, cinematic yeah. things, you know. And so, but at the same time, what what I think film school did for me was realize, like, you know what, this thing can be the best acted thing in the world if it's not shot well or if it's not edited well. Um, the thing that probably hit me most in film school was the use of sound and just yeah. how incredibly important it is um just technical elements that you never think about you know and then you realize that oh if i'm not thinking about it that in some cases that means they're doing it right yeah you know um but at the but then it's also like well if i do notice the editing and that's a choice they made what are they trying to say they can be trying to speak to me just as much through the editing or the cinematography as what the characters are going through and i and in my view the greatest movies are the ones that are that literally have they've got all their ducks in a row. Everything is done well, which is why, in my view, Citizen Kane is by far one of the best. I'd easily top. I'd say top ten and my favorite film because it's got everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I, that that is a fundamental difference. Is like if a movie does not have like, I mean, two thousand one is amazing to watch i would love to i'll say this if it was showing on like a big screen here in in uh la which it does on occasion it It actually did fairly recently back in september i think it played at the uh cinerama dome see and that would i you know and i would love that i would love to do because that's an absolute experience you know um not a lot of i mean the the strongest character is a computer you know um yeah and so so of course there's not going to be a lot for me to latch on to. That doesn't mean that I think it's a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's just its goals are different than what I what I like, but it would be ridiculous of me to say that it's a worse film because it doesn't have my goals. So yeah. I've been talking for a while, I'm sorry. Well, um one thing I was mentioning earlier with the uh Sing in the Rain not ne- being great and important but not necessarily influential. Mhm. And certainly Gone with the Wind is an influential movie. Yeah. Um, but one of the big ones for me, it was it was a movie that I um, didn't see until I was in college, but of, I, of course as a film fan felt like I should see for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and then saw and didn't care for at all, yeah. is The Deer Hunter. Yeah. But at the same time, that The Deer Hunter represents so much of what is celebrated about the late 60s and early 70s in, yeah. in American cinema. Um it's almost a perfect example of what it was in 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 a way it, in 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 a certain way mm-hmm. not that it's the best you yeah. know i mean i would point to maybe bonnie and clyde yeah. uh, as a better example of what was going on at the time but um uh it's in that sense it's a it's a hugely influential influential film yeah. you know a lot of i mean <laughs> i remember uh in that terrible hbo show entourage when uh <laughs> What's his fuck? The ridiculous caricature of a director who works with them, Billy Walsh. Yeah, when he premieres his first film and says it's three hours long, he says, "This is my deer hunter, man." And that's like, I think, 
uh, I hate that I can quote that show. Yeah. Because it's, oh, it's awful. It has become awful. Back then, I don't think it was awful. I think we didn't realize. I think we, we, think we were giving it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, to, you know, to go from, from a character standpoint, everybody did, did things that made sense for their character. Yeah. As time has gone on. But it was still a fantasy where everybody gets bailed out at the end. Yes. No, nothing yes. ever goes r- lo- wrong for long. Anyway. Um, wrong for long. But I think that is, uh, in that sense, what you're talking about there, that makes sense for that character. That's yeah. a young uh, director with a big ego today would definitely uh, put himself in Michael Cimino's shoes, you yeah. know, and would definitely look to the deer hunter because it's so ballsy and it's so huge and yet it's so personal. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, one that, uh, and I, I think I've mentioned this before because one thing that, uh, that David and I have talked about a lot is the idea of not liking something because you feel you should like it. All right. Uh, and that's something that we stand. And that's not what we're saying. In this that's episode. not what we're I saying. I think we made that clear already, but yeah, I want yeah. to say that again. Um, just, you know, we're talking about something different. I mean, there's plenty of things you should see. You you need to see them. It just goes without saying. If you want to be a certain if, type of person, yeah. If you want to be a certain type of you know well you know like a like a very well informed uh, you know student of film, um, you don't have to like them, but you should see them. Um, yeah, my 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 little brother likes to watch movies. I would never say that he should see Eraserhead because <laughs> right, right it wouldn't speak to him, and he's not interested in becoming. Oh, you like The scholar. Dark Knight? I got a movie for you. It's called Birth of a Nation. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Um, the Last Laugh. You'd love it. <laughs> but um, but a movie that uh, that I remember I I liked for a long time, mostly because I felt like I should. It may, it was on my top 100 and all that, mostly because I felt like it should be. Um, and then I realized, like, you know what? I don't like this movie very much, uh, so it's going to fall off the old top 100. That said, I think you should... I think everybody should absolutely see it, and that's a Clockwork Orange, which is yeah. a movie that I, you know, I just I don't I don't like it very much. It's it's a, it's very well made. It's very well acted. But I mean, it's got a strong central character, but it's just not for me. We're about to get into something else. Okay. Here, um, because I talked about the Deer Hunter, which is a movie I don't like. Into but the, I d- into the mic, David. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Deer Hunter is a movie that I don't like, but I don't really hate. Right. Um. But there are movies that I hate okay. that have that that I and that I think are just wrong. Okay. But that have become influential and, and and important, and therefore you should see them. Like what? And well, I I maybe hate's a strong word, but I really don't care for a Clockwork Orange yeah. at all. Um, and I used to love it. Right. I loved it. You know, when I was in high school, uh, because that's the kind of little shit I was. You know. Yeah. Um. But it. Uh, but it's it's such an important film. I mean, people. It's it's like, it's like the Deer Hunter. I mean, what Deer Deer Hunter was what year? Seventy eight. Was it that late? I was thinking seventy five. Yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense because it would have been further after. And what year was Clockwork Orange? Seventy seventy one. One. Okay, so there's more of a gulf gulf there than I was realizing. Okay. But sure. <laughs> um, but they're still part of like the the seventies. Yeah. You know. Um, and and what was happening. Uh, in film and that that era for people I would say for people maybe a little older than we are you know who are making mm-hmm. movies now yeah. that era was was the big one. Oh yeah you know that was the big thing that influenced influenced them yeah now people 
our age are being more influenced, of course, by Quentin Tarantino and Wes Anderson. Yeah. Um, and maybe in another 10 years, I'll say that people should be seeing Wes Anderson films. I won't admit that yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, sure it'll, it'll any... probably happen. It'll yeah. probably happen where there will be good movies. Yeah. Uh, and important movies that are made that were influenced by Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums and, and Bottle Rocket, which is the worst of the bunch, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Life Aquatic is his worst film. But Everyone says, because for the longest time, I'd, I'd seen Rushmore and I'd seen Royal Tenenbaums and I decided I didn't like them. People were like, have you seen Bottle Rocket? And I was like, no, I haven't. Like, You should watch that. You'll you'll like that. Oh, no. No, Bottle Rocket is, is, is the worst of yeah. those three. Yeah. Bo- Bottle Rocket does not have does not have the benefit of having Bill Murray or Gene Hackman, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of balancing out the quirkiness. Don't get me wrong, I like I, I actually like Royal Tenenbaums. I like Rushmore to a degree. Um, I really liked Darjeeling Limited, strangely enough. But um, but yeah, I, and you know, it's it's weird because simply, I guess this leads to uh, well, another another aspect of the discussion. Real quick, I want to talk about another movie that I'm loath to admit it and wouldn't have a while ago, but. And listeners know where I'm going with this, but Fight Club. Yeah. It's the other movie besides, I mean, I went to film school starting in, uh, what year did I start? 2001, graduating in 2004. So uh, I knew multiple people, a lot of people who were at that film school because of Fight Club, more or less. And and that actually, that that is where I was headed myself, which is, you know, I mean... If enough people, if a movie influences enough people, not even just people who want to go on to make films, but people in their life philosophy, like if it is a movie that like people of a certain generation say, that's our, you know, that's our clockwork orange, that's our, you know, blue velvet, that's ours. Uh Is that, I mean, does that in itself make it something that for the, that future generations should see? Because, because... uh, a generation, whether they're wrong or right, doesn't matter. Yeah, a ge- you know, a certain type of people say that's us. That movie defines us, even if it doesn't necessarily. Um, does that make it something that a person should see in the future? If those people are going on to make movies, then yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, to make make good movies or yeah. important movies of their own. Yeah, I don't mean to. Uh, I, I don't want to influence uh, anybody's uh, anybody's choices, but. In discussing, we we just we got an email recently uh, discussing uh, the great you know the greatest characters and all that and uh, and the number one character by the way on Empire's list is Tyler Durden. Now, number one is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. However, if I were making if I myself were making a list, I might might I'm not uh-huh. committing. I might feel inclined to include him maybe in the 80s or 90s. And it's because so many because first off it's a it's a a well-conceived character like everything about him is fairly consistent but but more specifically because of the impact he had on culture. Um and you know that's something that you have to take into account when you're talking about the best of something or more specifically what a person should see, you know, or, you know, as opposed to what they should like. And so Fight Club, yeah, I mean, Fight Club and A Clockwork Orange and movies that it's just like, this doesn't sit well with me for so many reasons. Yeah. 
I still think people should see them. Yeah, I don't want to go into Fight Club because I know we've got an episode planned months from now. Yeah, um, that's how that's how far ahead. That's right. We plan. We got an episode planned months from now. Honestly, yeah, where, where uh, we will we be are going gonna, into Fight we are, Club. We are screwed at episode 133. Everything up till <laughs> then, we got it all worked out. That's not true. Please keep sending episode suggestions. Please. <laughs> um, but we do have one plan where, yeah, I, we will be going into Fight Club in yeah. depth. Um, anyway, I'm trying to think what else was on my list. Well, I mean, I, I mentioned one earlier, which is, and this is one very much for the film students, uh, Birth of a Nation. That's one that ever you need to see it. Honestly, I've never sat through all of it. Okay. David, <laughs> you need to see it. I know. I've, I've seen... The parts that you see in film classes right. and, and in history classes and stuff like that. So right. and and I understand why it's important yeah. uh, very much, you know, from a technical aspect. Um, but I've never sat down and watched it from beginning to end. I don't know that I could bring myself to, it's but rough. I do feel like I need to. It's a bit of a chore, but it's something where it's just you know, if you're gonna, and some people say it's like, you know what, I I see what it wrought. So why do I need to see it? And it's like because it. it not to get into something else, uh, <laughs> I was I was on a uh, message board and somebody was uh, talking about uh, Transformers, the the cartoon movie, uh-huh. um, and uh, somebody was talking about uh, how Orson Welles talked about how awful that movie is. Which, by the way, it is. Anyway, and so, but Orson Welles does a voice in it because he you know he had to get paid, and um, and so this guy loved Transformers so much. That uh, that he started just insulting Orson Welles, and that but he said, what what he said was interesting to me was that he goes, he's like Orson Welles made movies that were relevant uh, that that were uh, a part of a time, that were a part or a portrait of a time that is no longer relevant to to everyday society, and I'm like, what? No, lo- literally, you think that that t- not even just that film. You think that time is not relevant to society, really? Here's the thing: you could have even picked like something fairly innocuous. You could have picked 1925. Okay, depression hadn't hit, World War One over. People doing pretty okay, with the possible exception of like prohibition and stuff like that. It's like you could have picked that time. And I wouldn't, and I, I wouldn't say that it wasn't relevant. Everything is relevant. Everything is relevant. Yeah. And so there are probably people out there who say it's like I don't need to see Birth of a Nation. I don't need to see Battleship Potemkin. All right. I don't need to see these movies that revolutionize modern filmmaking. I have modern filmmaking. I get it. Yeah. It's like no, you need to see them again. You need to see the building blocks if you care enough. If you care enough, yes, absolutely. No, I'm not. Or if you, if you, if you care enough to. If if you want to think of yourself as a well-rounded film fan, right. you need to see these movies. Right. No, I mean, and I'll admit right now that there are movies that are on this list of things that you need to see that I haven't seen. Yeah, you know, and it's just like not sure what they are right now. Yeah, it, right. You know, <laughs> um, there's yeah, I never saw It's a Wonderful Life. That's that's my big one. That's my big go-to, and everybody says that I should see it, and I probably should. Well, mine was Nashville, and I ended up not liking it. I know, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, wrong about that but that's all right <laughs> you're wrong about not liking it <laughs> but i'm glad i've seen it right you know um, um but like it's just and, and honestly i'm going to assume that if you're listening to this you want to be the kind of person that yeah. we're talking about um well, 
Okay, go ahead. I want to close. We, we should wrap up soon, but I want to yeah, close yeah. with one more movie. It's actually a set of two movies. Okay. Um, well, we've talked about Birth of a Nation and Battleship Potemkin, you know, yeah. in those in these silent films and stuff. And I I do like. I used it as an example. I like Battleship. I Potemkin, love by Battleship the way. Potemkin. Yeah, it's one of my uh, as you recall right. uh, from my top ten movies list. It was one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Um, but and these are movies that moved the technical side of of storytelling mm-hmm. along. Now I want to go back to what we were talking about before, the difference between me and you and you know that I respond more to just pure emotion than 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 emotion that's necessarily in in service of storytelling. Right. Uh and I want to talk about two movies again going back to the birth of the nation thing, two morally reprehensible movies. Okay. Uh that are a must if you want to see uh, it's huge leaps and bounds forward in the way that film because uh, you talked about theater, mm-hmm. and film has been uh, well, from the beginning up, uh, and even to some extent still today, but up until a big break in the '60s, was sort of always slowly becoming its own art form. Okay, you know, becoming less and less tied to the theater. You know, yeah. And there was, and you want to see two movies that are absolutely milestones in that in in, in that journey, and that's uh, Triumph of the Will and Olympiad. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and Olympiad, again, Life, Birth, of a Nation is a movie that I've never actually sat down to watch from beginning I've to end. I've not seen it. Uh, I, have, I have sat down to watch Triumph for the Will, and these are so stirring, these movies. Yeah. The, and, and again, there's not stories. It's just the way that sound and image is yeah. used together to create emotion is masterful. It's a, they're amazing movies. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, I, I've seen, I, much like Birth, with you, with Birth of a Nation, I've seen clips of Triumph of the Will. But... Um, What's fascinating is that it's a that film more than any any other film I can think of right now. That film is a testament to the power of film. Uh-huh. It can get you, as as David said, it's stirring. It can get you stirred by something you hate. Yeah, that's how um, that's how powerful film is. Just the just the the visceral element can get you so into this thing that you're like, oh right, it's sixty years later. We all know this is all uh, one of the worst things in human history, right? Uh-huh. And yet somehow, I'm not gonna say you're into it, but you're just like, <laughs> for those you know for that moment you're just like you're swept up in it. You're, you, yeah, that's the way to put it. You're swept up. You're swept up in it, and it's one that uh, yeah, I would like to see Triumph of the Will. In its entirety, at the very least, so I can say yes, I I saw that movie and it really uh, revolutionized things. But uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a movie that I don't. I'm reluctant to say it because some people really love it, and it's it's a really good movie. I am not a huge fan of On the Waterfront or Rebel Without a Cause or. A, but here's the thing. Well, I want to tell you right now. Okay. I can see where you're coming from with on the waterfront. You're dead wrong about Rebel Without a Cause, man. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it in a while. I did see you on the waterfront recently. Um, so that one is fresher in my head, which is why I said it first. But just those those are movies that you, you should uh, everyone should see. You know, um, at the very least, David talked about you know Triumph of the Will being uh, revolutionary as far as the technical element uh those movies uh between like marlon brando and james dean revolutionized uh like movie acting the kind of movie the kind of kind of acting that you would come to see uh later on 
uh, and probably ever since, you know, yeah. where all of a sudden you went from kind of not necessarily wooden performances. I, I have no I have nothing against acting before, you know, uh, you know, the type of acting before Marlon Brando came along and really turned it into this. Uh, I'm not even sure what you would call it. I, I'm not against his type of performance, uh, but just they're really, you know, him and James Dean, they they were just so nobody had seen acting like that before. Mm-hmm. And so on that level. Now, of course, I see on the waterfront, and I'm like, and I'm like, man, Carl Malden is awesome in this. Yeah. Rod Steiger too. And they wait, are. Wait, who, who's this guy over here? <laughs> you know, that's me because I'm stupid. But Rebel Without a Cause, by the way, is um, like like I mentioned, like Betty Page. Yeah. Uh, important culturally outside of movies, it, right? So right. everyone should see that. I um, think. But uh, yeah, you should see it. But like, I, I I don't like on the waterfront that much. Just. Because it is very much in the same way as uh, David and I have talked about the hustler, even though I like the hustler more. It's just emotionally, it's very overwrought. Because anytime you're going to like change the way movie movie acting is and make it a lot more emotional um, and a lot more in the moment, chances are it's like oh, much like uh, much like with Lost Weekend, where it's like oh, this is the first one to show alcoholism, so we'll show the most extreme portrait of alcoholism out there. Um, and so, like, to me, because the tone of, like, On the Waterfront is so overwrought and so just like, yes, we get it, you're very intense, um, it's not easy for, and then, of course, the music doesn't help either, but uh, it's not a movie that I enjoy watching, uh, but it's one that you absolutely need to see it. Um, not even just because it was changing the way movie acting was, but it was just changing the way movies were made in general. Yeah. And it's just viewed as uh, this really great milestone of film. Well, but, that's uh, this is a good place to end because I mentioned uh, Lenny Riefenstahl and uh, again how she advanced the type of filmmaking I like. Yeah, and you mentioned Brando and Dean who advanced the type of uh, filmmaking that you like. Yeah, so that's uh, and uh, weird. <laughs> you mentioned Riefenstahl, I mentioned Kazan. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, everybody, for uh, pissing you off with our yeah. communism and fascism. <laughs> Once. Um, One's crimes don't exactly match up to the others, though. Right, right, right. But uh, anyway, so, uh, of course... I mean, Lenny Riefenstahl didn't rat anybody out. (laughs) Well done. We'll get everybody later. Bye. Bye. Bye.